Hey guys, welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast. I'm here with Kayla Trivieri, and today we're going to be talking about NFTs, Web3, and all things crypto. Very exciting. So if you guys don't know, Kayla is famous for a series called NFTs for Hot Girls, and we're going to get into all of that today. First, I want to say I absolutely love the fact that you are in this space showing women how to get into this space because I am so tired of seeing crypto bros mansplain all things tech. I think we all are. I think we're all a little bit tired and it's time we have like a new face, new perspective, a new take on like what's going on in the industry. And it's not that I don't think women don't want to get involved in the conversation or don't know how to. It's like it's just not interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've always found is like I'm not interested in hearing this stuff from the way it's being delivered or who it's being told from. So I was like, I feel like I can learn anything. It's just not presented in a way that's captivating. Yeah. In a way that like women relate to, you know what yeah. I mean? A lot of the examples that we're seeing, a lot of the use cases, like as a woman, I don't necessarily understand the appeal of or- of owning a, a bored ape. Yeah. You know, like for me, that connection isn't as clear until someone explains like the rarity and, you know, all of the different elements behind that. So why don't we start with how you got into the space? Yeah. And then we can talk about what NFTs are for anyone that's not uh, not fully yeah, in the ecosystem. Sure. Okay, so my, I like to call it my villain era origin story. So every time someone asks me, they're like, how did you get in the space? What happened? Um, so it goes back, I've been actually working in tech for like four or five years now. Um, I started my career, I've been working at IBM as part of their AI and IoT team. And I actually was a designer when I started my career. I was a user experience designer and kind of worked my way up through my career and kind of transitioned more into like a product owner, a business analyst, kind of PM hybrid role. Um, And I've always worked in like blockchain projects on anything to do with AI, OCR. Um, So I learned quite a bit in the space. And again, like I didn't really have a huge like technical background. I didn't know a ton of things, Um, but everything I've learned through my career, I'm like, this stuff is really not that complicated. I was once like, you break it down. Yeah, but once you break it down, it, yeah. it's really intimidating to look at. But then once you actually get into like the depths and the cores of what everything is, you're like, oh, this is actually quite simple. It's really not that complicated. Why did I think it was so confusing or intimidating to get into? Um, and then over the Christmas break, I've like obviously been hearing a lot about NFTs and like, what what is this? Like, let me see. Like, I had this vision. I'm like, I'm going to start an NFT. I'm going to create a series and I'm going to sell it. Because why not? I could do anything. Yeah. And I'm like, literally anything, nothing is that complicated. So I was like, I'm just going to become a billionaire because all these kids apparently can do it. So I can figure it out too. If a 12-year-old kid can do it, why can't Why can't I? Why can't I? Totally. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. Okay. Um, So I posted a video and I was like, I'm going to become an NFT billionaire. It goes completely viral. And then people were asking all these questions like, what is an NFT? All like, what, what does this mean? What does it do? Isn't it just a JPEG? And then I started the series of NFTs for Hawk Rolls and I broke it down explaining what an NFT was. And that again, it just like kept on going viral and viral. My account blew up and now I guess I'm looked at as like an NFT Hawk Roll. Well, you definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first step is the fact that like you deeply understand the space. Yeah. So when you talk about it online, like you're coming from a place of knowledge, it's not just like, you know, you're making things up or yeah. you're like repeating what somebody else is saying. So um why don't you walk us through like how you got into the spaces specifically so with discord like discord is a huge community where a lot of people that that invest in nfts go to so yeah how do you if you want to learn more yeah how do you get into those communities how do you interact right um i think discord is one of those things you kind of spiral into like again i'm completely new to get discord as of this year basically like i've never really been familiar with it and how i've basically figured it out my friend who's a huge gamer was like it's basically the gaming version of Slack. And you get into it, you're like, oh, this is like a web version of Slack. Like very simple to figure out, but it's like a giant web chat where like anyone can message you. So once you join certain communities, other people will message you or invite you to other communities. And then all of a sudden you're in all these different Discord communities for different things, for NFTs. Um, also Twitter is huge with NFTs in that space. Like I'm more of a Twitter girl. I've been on Twitter for like a decade now. It's insane to say that. Like probably since 2008, I've been on Twitter um i've been on twitter since 2008 had to go back and delete all of my tweets from yeah 2008. oh yeah like, i had to do that too i was like this is embarrassing yeah like high school me tweeting lyrics i was on there when Y frog was a thing to upload a picture do you remember that no 
Okay, when you if you wanted to upload a picture to Twitter, you would have to use this app called Byfrog, and it was like a link to the picture, so people would click the link to see. I don't know. It was a very early stage. Interesting. I didn't even know that Twitter had a phase where you couldn't upload photos. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. maybe I joined a little bit later, but yeah, Twitter is definitely big for NFTs, especially yeah. Jack Dorsey's first tweet yeah. being sold for three million. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. So lots has happened since then, and now we're going from making tweets to selling tweets um and it's interesting to see how the space is going to continue to evolve but twitter honestly is personally my favorite place to find nft content information um and i made a post today i was like by time anything can even get published into an article or to a textbook it's probably already outdated so your best thing is actually just to go right into the trenches and kind of figure it out as you go so would you say like if you want to research and dive into the space you go to twitter where do I start? Like, do I look up hashtags? Are there people yeah. that you would recommend following? Um, I, I started with hashtags. And since then, I've followed, like, different accounts and stuff like that. There's certain, like, obviously public figures who are really big into the NFT space. Surprisingly, Reese Witherspoon is huge into NFTs, um, which is ra- really random. But she's yeah. a really big supporter of the community and invests a lot. Paris Hilton is starting to get into it. Um, Jack Dorsey, obviously. Alex Ohanian. Um, who else is big in so Mark Zuckerberg's sister, Randy Zuckerberg, yes. met her at a conference. She's oh, huge in that space. Yeah. She was doing she's doing a conference coming soon, I think. Yeah, there's lots of people who are like getting into the NFT space. So it's very exciting. Definitely. Okay. Um, so that's how we get into learning about it. But yeah. with Discord, Discord, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, is just an app. It's like an app for community. So people go in there and they chat about different projects. So yep. you can have a Discord channel for a specific nft project that's coming out Mm -hmm. and people will come in there and they'll try to build hype for the project yeah a lot of nfts right now are built on hype right there's a lot of hype i also feel like we're in this like nft bubble space where again i was talking to a friend about it like so many people quote unquote got rich off of crypto but now they have to find areas and avenues to invest in to either make more money or transfer the funds so they invest in these projects um and the value in that can go up and then they can sell it and then cash out of more money so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how people are like flipping things and what's happening um but i think eventually this is going to be phased out because there's actually a lot of really great use cases for nfts in terms of speculation like the people that are flipping are making crazy crazy money money. Yeah, yeah yeah and i've also heard rumors too there's like discord communities where people like obviously are like okay we're all gonna invest in this we're gonna pump up this project and then rug pull all the money's gone and that's kind of it or like the person who is the quote-unquote face i guess they don't have a face um just disappears so they take all the money and leave that's that's basically what a rug pull is it's when somebody who creates a a community or a project just disappears and you see a mass sell-off yeah and usually it's people that have been involved in the project from day one or um they even there's like slower rug pulls too they start trickling out they're not as active in the discord community so there's usually like certain signs that people can see of like oh this project was a scam how how do you see the signs because there are so many new nfts popping up every day like i get so many dms Same. with people messaging me about like cheetahs and all projects of the, so many different this, projects you promote this project like yeah. literally i get hundreds of messages it's insane um you there's really no way to know do your research be very careful but it's literally we're in the wild west stages of like anything could happen mm-hmm. even i've seen celebrities promote certain projects and they've not been legitimate like just because someone's a celebrity does not mean they know what they're talking about or like kim kardashian getting yeah sued. she promoted a couple of different altcoins yeah is going after her yeah so you have to be careful like it's still a very new space we don't know what's going on you have to be really careful do your research do your due diligence even if you do that you like could still end up in a rug pull situation mm-hmm. so it happens it's terrifying to think about like i've been privy to a couple of rug pull situations yeah. not in the nft space but more so just like in crypto in general yeah but um i liked what you said about people that are like people that invest in ethereum for example yeah they have stacked their eth and eth dropped significantly in value so in order to re- retain that value nfts haven't dropped like certain projects a lot yeah. of nfts and i'm sure you think the same like 90 percent of them are going to drop to zero or just completely yeah. fail yeah um so a lot of speculation a lot of hype in the space but i've seen a lot of very smart um, people that know the space as well will invest into different projects in order to keep the value of ethereum mm-hmm. and to avoid yeah. you know the massive ups and downs yeah. that we're seeing right now exactly and so i i guess you see that with like 
in real life with money laundering and paintings of like having this inflated value of a piece of art but then not having to like pay taxes or anything on it and then Mm -hmm. owning it and then it goes into your portfolio it's like oh i own this 10 million dollar piece of art right so it kind of reflects back in the digital world too and obviously people are like well how do you avoid that or like it's just for money laundering it's just a scam and i'm like it's gonna happen in real life it's gonna happen on the online too like you can't prevent anything from from happening yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i like that you say it's the wild west like it really is it's the wild wild west out here like you don't you have no idea what's happening like there's no real way it's just like be careful be aware i don't know but instead of talking about the negatives let's move into like some of the really interesting use cases because there's some super cool initiatives happening in the space and i feel like you probably know so much about different applications yeah fashion and music so let's get into let's get into that a bit um so i'm really excited about the future use cases like i said i feel like sure there's some downfalls but i feel like the up like up uprising of nfts in this whole space is going to be so impactful um and i've talked to so many people i'm like we're about to enter a renaissance era again like we have no idea what we're stepping into this is time for like creators to shine creators artists everything like after you've in like historically speaking after um a downturn in history whether it's like a plague um a recession or whatever there's always something that comes out of that it's usually a positive um, so I think that's kind of like our version of the roaring twenties and like, it's hard to see the, like the light at the end of the tunnel, especially after COVID and everything's happening. I think people are really ready to like celebrate and move on with their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the transition from web two to web three. So I think this is where the NFT space is going to get really interesting because creators now don't own any of their work. So if I am an artist or a creator and I post my stuff on TikTok, on Instagram, Twitter, wherever, it's not really mine anymore. It's now instagrams it's twitters it's facebook's they own kind of that digital entity of whatever i post um and i don't have access to know who my followers are i don't have access to know who engages with my stuff i don't have access to directly communicate with an audience um on a one-to-one level not on a third-party platform um so i think this is where the nft space is going to get really interesting for artists is like i can now sell and control whatever I want and post into like a web three space, um, my artwork or my pieces or my music, um, Mm -hmm. especially music. I think this is a huge use case that's going to come out of this is like artists right now are signed to these 360 deal contracts and basically get screwed out of their money if you're with a record label. Um, but if you're an independent artist and you can issue your music as an NFT, that can mean so much for you. Right. So like NAS yeah nas and diplo right yes yes nas has a really big project coming out which is very cool um so basically if i wanted to issue an album i could sell it as an nft um i could sell the music as an nft issue as many copies as i want whatever um but because i get royalties which is something i don't get from a record label even if i wanted to issue my music for free or whatever someone could still resell song for a thousand dollars and someone could buy it right Mm -hmm. um but then i'm still getting the royalties off of every resale Right. Where I don't have access to that if I'm signed with a record label. Um, and especially with Spotify. The record label works with Spotify directly. Yeah. So as an artist, even though your music's on Spotify, getting billions of streams, yeah. you're not getting paid for that. Exactly. And so I think that's one big pain point for a lot of artists right now. And if Spotify is going to sit on its laurels, it's going to get wiped out immediately. Not immediately, but over time mm-hmm. by some other Web3 player who's going to give that access to the artist to make their own money. So... You're going to see that a lot with a lot of artists. I think it's going to be interesting. It's like they can capitalize on their own work, mm-hmm. on how they want to promote their own work, sell their own work. Um, another really big example I talk about is ticketing. So Ticketmaster is another place I think is going to get disrupted. If I'm an artist doing a show, then I have control over selling my own tickets at whatever price I want. Whereas Ticketmaster now has control. Also Ticketmaster owns StubHub, yep. which is very interesting. I- I'm sure most people are familiar with StubHub, a resale platform. So whoever is reselling the ticket on StubHub or if it's StubHub bots, whatever, there's a lot of speculation of that. Um, the artist doesn't benefit and the fans for sure don't benefit of having to pay for an overinflated ticket because they couldn't get first access to Ticketmaster, whatever the reason um, is they couldn't get their original price. Interesting. Um, I don't know. if that, Is that a conspiracy theory about like bots buying out? Yeah, I've, I've seen that a few times. Like it's I don't know really if it's... Because uh, I've, I've tried to buy like tickets for festivals, for example. Yeah. And right away, like even though it's not as popular of a festival, tickets are sold out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. And then they'll just get reposted at SubHub for 10 times the price. And yeah. so... Like what happened with OVO? I don't know if you remember OVO last year. 
two years ago yeah when concerts were still a thing yeah the same thing happened where the concert got oversold right away yeah and then instantly like the day after people were selling um for like huge markups right and yeah people bought tickets specifically to resell them yeah exactly and people do that all the time right yeah. so if you're selling your tickets as an nft um if i buy a ticket for ovo for example or for drake for a hundred dollars and i can't go i want to resell it for someone wants to bid for 200 drake still gets the royalties off of my resale even though i still get a hundred dollars profit right mm. um so that makes it really interesting of how artists now can also benefit from this space and get royalties off of their original tickets um interesting so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because i guess we don't have control over what the resale would be like because it's all going to be supply and demand or whatever someone is willing to accept as an offer if someone wants to bid on their ticket um but even if artists start issuing like digital ticketing for free um for other things like a poster or a collectible item or um something cool that people feel connected to them i think that's also like very cool to have like people collect posters or just even like their ticket stubs after a concert and yeah it's kind of like memorabilia for people so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that space too definitely i want to backtrack a little bit to web3 because we, yeah. we talked about it but we kind of like skid past it and that's yeah. like the core foundation that a lot of this is going to be built on so how how does somebody understand what web3 is but let's start with yeah, web 2. Web 2. So basically web 2 is what we see right now with all the platforms of we have like a lot of walled gardens is what they call it. So places like Facebook where you don't have access to your data, it's all centralized in one place. Um banking for example is like a very centralized thing. You can't see your transactions. It's only between you and your bank. Um no one else really has access to that. You have these big players like like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um very web 2. But Web3 is all about decentralization, people having access to the data, blockchain technology, which is very interesting um, and very going to be like revolutionizing in terms of what's happening in the tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, so the example I use is like, like I said, Facebook, Instagram. If I post something, um, I can see that I have 10,000 followers, but I don't know who they are. I can't, unless I wanted to DM them directly to be like, hey, what's your email? I want to send you something. You can't really interact with them on that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why owning email lists, like if yeah. you're a business, is so key because then yeah. you own your customers. Exactly. So now this is empowering people to have access to their own database of customers, of their emails, of how to interact and share in an open space, right? Um, we don't have access to that right now and that's going to change everything. So um, how I like to say it is like, if we remember the like feed page of like what people are doing to describe blockchain on Instagram where you can see like who liked what it's like now everyone's gonna have access to everything and it's like an open network so if we're but that's both- kind of scary as well right because the, the lines are gonna be blurred and yeah. you can see what everybody else is doing because it's on the blockchain it's on a ledger yeah um I've I've seen this as well like sometimes if I am exploring a project yeah and you know let's say it's a, like a private pre-sale for an altcoin yeah i will try to look up what the address is and then i can see different addresses and it's like a web yeah of information. a web and then of you things. can see like everything how much money somebody has in a certain wallet and it's mm-hmm. it's like fascinating but yeah. definitely a little bit scary yeah that that is like one of the frightening things it's like okay but now if everyone does have access to everyone's data like what does that look like right mm-hmm and so I think in a hypothetical context, it works because there's transparency amongst everybody, but it's also, it can, it can breed, I guess, fear of like, I don't want people to know my information. I want that to be private. So, yeah. but people can choose to be private um, in the web three space. There's ways to do that too. Interesting. Um, I know there's a lot of companies that are focused on security and yeah. trying to, you know. Like people have like multiple wallets and yeah. like private identities so like there's ways around that in a sense but yeah i mean there, there's definitely yeah. private identities yeah you can see that this private identity that has it's a, all you know a board yeah. still sends yeah. all this money around and then you're like who is this person who is that yeah you know? yeah it's very interesting so it's going to be a complex problem to solve and i think getting people on board to that idea is also going to be interesting too of like the response i don't know if i feel more comfortable with the company owning my data having a department yeah. of people that are specifically responsible for like data protection and yeah. privacy or do I feel more comfortable owning it on my own and mm. now being responsible for everybody seeing it and just right. it being out in the open so so it's an interesting debate of yeah. like what is What's better. better right and it's like two like 
it's like governance i guess really of like two ways of seeing governance and how that works and it's kind of like politics too it's like there's different sides and there's different ways and people can argue what works and what doesn't work and then there's different perspectives and it's just it'll be interesting to see what happens 100 percent. i think the beauty of blockchain is the fact that it is decentralized though i was playing devil's advocate a little bit like i'm a big fan of decentralization yeah power to the people we shouldn't have these big financial institutions that you know like banks for example yeah you know we should have people that make decisions like DAOs. i talked about that on one of my previous episodes i think that is fascinating yeah that's where i see government heading but at the same time, when you have a big group of people making a decision or being responsible for data and things like this, decisions get made a lot slower. Yeah. And it becomes difficult to have yeah. everybody agree on one, one thing, thing, especially like in a homogeneous society, let's say like Sweden, it's easier because people have like the same values. They grew up in yeah. the same way. Whereas like in the U.S. and Canada, you have, you know, a melting pot of all kinds of different cultures. Yeah. People don't think the same way. No, they don't. Think about like even political preferences. So it's definitely going to be fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And like what are people going to do when like when they're given that kind of power too. I was talking to my friend about this with Dallas. We're like, can people persuade people to go one way? And it could go terribly wrong if people are given their own power to make their own decisions. And Mm -hmm. it's um, a majority of people who maybe have like a very different perspective or view of how they want to govern things and it could be terrible or be anarchy yeah exactly like it's literally one step away from anarchy literally that's what we're saying we're like anything could really happen though like we don't really know how people would behave too yeah like giving that opportunity to it really really is the wild west it is yeah so many exciting things though so we I talked know. about like different applications we broke down like the difference between web 2 and web 3 so yep. web 3 if we were to summarize it and like explain it like i'm five the big thing is that people own their data instead of yeah. companies yeah and it's all visible on a, on a ledger on a blockchain um so there's a lot more nuances that yeah. will then go into that yeah. but i, I don't want to get into that in too much detail yeah. i want to talk about more so like the future for nfts right so i know you launched a really cool nft project that yeah i want to get into but I also want to throw some ideas um, with you. Like, yeah, some ideas yeah, around. I would love so to. I'm getting married soon. Okay. I want to send out wedding invites as an NFT. Yeah. I want to like break down and teach people how to download MetaMask, like how to create a wallet. Yeah. Uh, not download MetaMask, but how to use MetaMask, right. how to create a wallet, how to receive an airdrop, which, yeah. you know, basically people don't sit get. and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to walk through that process. So if I want to do that, walk me through what the steps are and like how to actually make that happen. okay um it's actually funny you say this because we were kind of chatting earlier yeah um i want to shout out app and bio right now really quickly um katie is someone i met in san francisco and what their team is actually specializing in is like people having access to creating their own nfts um through their own subscriber community so it's very cool that you say you want to create your own invitation or tickets or whatever um, and their company is doing just that. So it's actually going to be very easy for people to onboard into their platform. Um, and I think their idea is absolutely brilliant. So say I ha- am, I'm Kayla and I have you subscribing to me. I have your email and I can send you NFT newsletters or tickets or whatever it may be directly to whoever I choose. Right. Mm-hmm. So like that's very cool. Um, I wish I was invited to your wedding. Maybe I'll do that. That's a great idea. Wedding invites yeah. um, as NFTs. And so you can make, I don't know, a flyer or an invitation. Um, of You're going to have a website. Like, that's really common. People have a yeah. website. So I'm thinking website. And then you, like, walk through the steps. So yeah. this is how you create a wallet. This is how you receive an airdrop. And then here you go. Yeah. Here's your invite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be very cool. Yeah. You can take them through the steps of, like, okay, this is, yeah, like it, like you said, this is how you create a MetaMask wallet. Here are the steps. It's very simple. Um, This is how we're going to issue our NFTs. It'll be free download it then you have it in your wallet and then that'll be your invitation to get into the wedding i'm thinking of also creating another this is kind of like an out-of-the-box idea but, yeah um my boyfriend or my fiance has been collecting a bunch of embarrassing photos of me and i have like a ton of embarrassing photos of him so as like uh, an event at the wedding like yeah. you get to bid for an nft and it's like a unique digital asset that That'll only you own and it's like an embarrassing photo that's funny that's really funny, actually. That's a very interesting use case. Yeah. Selling your um, embarrassing spousal photos yep. for bid at your wedding. So we'll see if it actually yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in terms of minting it, I think it's not going to be too difficult. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. That'd be really funny. Yeah. I wonder how much people would pay. 
Well, for some of them, I have some pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad ones. ones. Yeah. Are you going to show them up on like a screen and be like, you can buy this NFT? I don't know. I feel like I might um, have it be more of like unknown mm-hmm. and just like a blank, a black photo. Is it going to be a surprise right? until you a surprise, actually get exactly. it? That's kind of fun. And then the value of it goes up too. Like if some are super bad, like somebody else might want to trade you know, it. Trade it. Or, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, I want that one. Oh, yeah. I want that bad picture of you. So that, yeah, that's, that's just funny. an idea. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. No, I love that. That would be good. So there's a ton of different things that you can do in the space. But essentially, like, the big thing with NFTs is it's just digital ownership. Yeah. So people who talk about, you know, NFTs are just right-click and save. Like, it's we're so far beyond that. Yeah. Um, And I think it's critical for people to understand that it's – even with these embarrassing photos, yeah, that one person will own it and can do what they want with it. Exactly. So a little bit scary for me because I don't know if I want my friends to have that much power. Yeah. You know what I was also thinking? After your wedding photos, you can like issue all the pictures as NFTs. Mm-hmm. That could be a good idea too. Yeah. yeah. And so then people many can either like bid or like buy them or you could sell them for free. But, like everyone could have that. Here's your NFT photo. This is a memory from our wedding. Like that's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to teach a bunch of people how to interact with this space. Yeah. And- then go out and purchase their own NFT. So yeah, exactly, exactly. A lot of exciting stuff here. Yeah, but I want to talk about your project specifically yes. and how you know how it's evolved, how you started with it, and where it's at now. Yeah, my first collection that I issued was called Material Girls, and again, this is very new when I was in the NFT space. My first thing I ever um, launched, and I was like, again, I feel like I have a platform on TikTok now. People will buy these. Like I could list them for as many ETH as I want and someone would be dumb enough to purchase. And I'm like, it's really not that simple. Yeah. Um, so I made this Material Girls collection. It's very Y2K inspired. Pink pixel art of my favorite like products that I would use in day-to-day life. Um, and there's kind of this trend on TikTok too called Material Girl. Yeah. Like this song. Um, so I thought it would tie in really great with that. And I thought it was just like cheeky, fun and cute and whatever. So I, I um, posted about it on TikTok and I'm like, okay, I made my Material Girls collection. Someone go buy it. Um, no one bought it because I listed it for, I think, like, one Ethereum, which I'm like, no one's buying my pixel art even for that much money. Not yet. Hey, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. I've been programming. I'm like, you know what? Maybe someday we'll, someone someday will just see it and buy it and be like, hey, I own this, which would be funny. But until then, we're waiting. Um, I also issued my um, NFTs for Hawk Girls series on OpenSea as well okay but i'm selling those for like 20 dollars because i was like you know what so many people are reposting this video without my permission this kind of goes back to the whole nft thing i'm like you don't have ownership of that video you never asked me to repost that or repurpose that content for your own use interesting um so you made the video into an nft yeah I very cool the video into an nft so i'm like if you want to use it you can here's the link and you can go buy a copy by the way let's just plug your tiktok in case anybody hasn't yeah. hasn't found it yet so yeah i'm k trivs k-t-r-i-v-z on tiktok if you don't already know definitely check it out and then you can see what hot girls yeah. what nfts for hot yeah, girls actually are exactly um because i was getting frustrated i'm like this is it's great to have exposure from a lot of platforms, but also these platforms on Instagram or whatever have millions of followers and they make money through ads and whatnot mm-hmm. from co- posting people's content like this. But like, I don't see any of that. Um, so this kind of gets into that conversation too, of like the benefits of NFTs of who has the ownership of what, right? Right. Um, I actually had that happen to a friend of mine. So she's a comedian. She posted uh, a video on TikTok of her doing impressions really quickly of like Drew Barrymore. I don't know if you've seen it went absolutely viral viral yeah yeah and then people posted it on youtube so somebody posted on youtube it got three million views and she was like they didn't even tag me or credit me yeah which is so frustrating like as a creator you know you go out you spend time like you learn these skills and then for someone else to just not take you the credit that you deserve it's so frustrating so hats off to you for finding a solution i know and i was like this is what i'm gonna do if someone messaged me again for my permission i'm like here you can have this video you can buy it for me nice yeah, and you can buy this in NFT, so we all win. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great entrance point, too. Like, yeah. a lot of people, um, a lot of these NFTs are, you know, in the, in the hundreds of, of uh, ETHs, right? Yeah. Like, 300 ETHs I've seen for, for a board ape or, like, Jack Dorsey's yeah. tweet, right? So, NFTs have seemed out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think part of it's, like, education. A lot of people right. don't understand why these are going yeah. for crazy amounts. And all, all of it just comes down to, like, supply and demand. Right. Right. And I was going to say, too, I was talking to my friend who works at OpenSea, and we were saying, like, I think the best way to get into the community 
to actually get into the community, not just like these crypto punk board apes, massive projects that are millions of dollars to purchase, is like just to start issuing, if you're an artist, start issuing stuff for free and see mm-hmm. what people are interested in purchasing or buying or because um, I think there actually are a lot of artists who are interested in posting their work on these platforms and have a lot of talent and are incredibly creative and have so much to offer. And this is just a new medium of them selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people have so much respect for people in that or like artists just starting or getting in the industry and people want to support you. And like just because you're a smaller artist doesn't mean you can't also make money. It's like I, I think this is saying wag me. We're all going to make it. Yeah. Um, so people say that all the time in this space and it's like, yeah, yeah, people are very supportive and it is a small community and um I think small but growing. Small but growing very rapidly. Yeah. Um but like I think- the NFT space in general. Yeah. Do you know what, what it's worth right now? Because I've I've seen like there's oh, more no trading idea. value for sorry, there was more trading volume for NFTs than there were for some altcoins yeah. um, as of January. Like we're definitely I don't know if we're in a bubble just yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're definitely getting there, but yeah trading volume is picking up substantially i've seen i've seen how nfts are like outgrowing crypto though yeah i've seen a lot of posts about that um it's really interesting though so i definitely see see it like even a lot of we're in a crypto winter yeah so a lot of uh different crypto projects like even alt alt projects um i've been in different communities like looking at the space and there's not a lot of traction there's not a lot of momentum yeah but with nfts there's so So much much activity so much so much is happening and like people watch projects every day um yeah so i think like literally just getting started is like sell something even if it's free Mm -hmm. put your name out there join twitter join discord join um what's the other one clubhouse i think clubhouse is dying i was on clubhouse like this time last year and it was great i met some really cool people i actually had a couple super interesting people on my podcast yeah this one guy um he was a 9-11 survivor he was wow um an executive at nymex which is like a massive it's the new york mercantile exchange oh wow and he used to trade like back in the day when we didn't have computers and you were like yelling at people in like this big space is super super cool he's trading commodities oh interesting Um, so he's like a great person that i have in my network now yeah. and like a, just a bunch of other people um Farouk, i don't know if you know him i think that he, sounds familiar he posted or he created an nft collection called rug radio okay where he was big on clubhouse he hosted rooms he had like lex friedman all these super interesting yeah. people come in and he used that skill set and created an nft collection where um, people's voices are heard so it's their voice notes almost i'm not yeah sure exactly where he wants the collection to cool. go but super cool very cool yeah so, that's why i was saying clubhouse i don't know how popular it yeah is i don't know what happened i feel like they like fell off i have not been on clubhouse in a long time if i'm being honest with myself but um i know in the beginning like probably last year people were really big in the nft space on clubhouse too mm-hmm. that's yeah. where i found out about what nfts were yeah and we had like some chats i was you know just learning about it at that point yeah and it's crazy how much the space has evolved since then you know yeah yeah absolutely wild it's crazy so talk to me about the toronto collection the toronto project okay so i had some lessons learned from the material girls i'm like i learned about utilities and what to do and how to promote your project a little bit better because i'm like people don't just buy random stuff on the internet just because someone said to mm-hmm. it's not how that works so um i did some brainstorming and i went back and i'm like you know what would be really cool because my original TikTok career didn't start in NFTs. I was actually vlogging and I'm a really big like foodie. I hate that word, but like mm-hmm. I love going to try restaurants and like new experiences and things in the city and I would always do like these reviews and like I feel like that's what people knew me for of like I only trust your opinion with food and like restaurant reviews and whatever it is that you're doing. So it's funny. I'm like I want something that brings back the community cuz I feel like we're all craving that in a sense. Like I haven't interacted with people because of covid or met new people because of covid and i want to be around like creative people and creative individuals who kind of fuel that and i know there is a community like that in toronto but i feel like it's not as strong as maybe like montreal or other cities like new york um and i'm like how do we tap into that so i was like you know what would be really cool is if i created like i like to refer to it as like a digital soho house membership um where you can purchase a membership and have access to all these exclusive events access to all these creators in the city create this whole network of amazing people who want to collaborate and work together and like really build up the city and just make cool shit like i love that and i I told you we talked we talked about this before i'm like i'm definitely minting one of those yeah 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 so the idea is we're gonna issue 
Um, we haven't decided how many between 500 and 1,000 um, memberships a year, which is cool because if, say, for example, you purchase a membership for this year or even after six months you don't want it, you can always resell it. Um, and if that value of the membership goes up, then you can make that money and then the royalties go back to Minted Toronto's, which the project's called. Um, but the idea is we want to give back to the community, the creative community in Toronto. We want to give back to businesses in Toronto. So we want to have exclusive, like, my idea is, like, it'd be fun to do, like, a tasting menu and 20 mm. people – there's 20 slots available this month for anyone in the community. It's free to join because your membership cost covers it and you just show up and you get to network with whoever else comes. And the idea is That's it's all super for creatives. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then we want to have panels and workshops and like, hey, I'm a videographer and you're a photographer. How can we collaborate and work together and how can we learn from each other? Or like, maybe you're a pottery artist and like, I want to take a pottery class. Can we have people from the mentor community have a free class every month or something? And, um, very I cool. really want to open the doors for a lot of people and just like really bring out the connection and collaboration and just community back to Toronto. What I find with a lot of projects is like the longevity of what they're doing is yeah. that we lose sight of that. Right? right. It's also it's all the initial phase where you're like, I have this great idea, I'm gonna create this big yeah. project, but following through with it and like actually executing, executing on it you have to run a business. Yeah, right? essentially. You're you're building relationships with people, there's operations involved. So it becomes really complex. Yeah. And that's where a lot of projects I see fail. Yeah. Because they don't have that end in sight. They don't know right. what they're building. They just want to build this big community and then what? And then what? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And so I think this community has a lot of purpose. Um, and I have a vision of what I want to do with the community in terms of like, again, like keynote speakers, workshops, activities, um, exclusive events. I think it'd just be fun to bring everyone together. And I feel like we're really missing that, especially after COVID. Mm-hmm. 100%. And if, heard a lot of people and maybe maybe that's just my experience of people complaining like i don't know how to meet people in toronto or i'm new to the city like what do uh, you toronto do? is known for that like you know the typical mm-hmm. toronto girls that yeah. just are not approachable yeah like yeah. when i had single friends and we would go out it would be the worst because you know like toronto girls specifically i don't know what it is they have this like vibe about them and they're yeah. so stuck up but then you go to a new city you meet someone from toronto and they're so open yeah exactly so like how do we bring that openness back to the city yeah we need that um, we really do need that and i feel like i just want to change the culture there a bit because i think that's like a complaint i hear quite a lot from a lot of people mm-hmm. um and just like yeah i know there's so many creative cool people like let's tap into that let's build that up um but yeah like you said it's like this is a business in the beginning like this is an amazing idea i love it and now that we're actually building it, I'm like, this is so much work. Like, yeah, you, but you can you hire people, right? So yeah, yeah, we have a team now we're working with. So another really big creator in Toronto, um, his name is Chu. He's part of the co-founding team with me, and he got into the NFT space. He's also a YouTuber, a FIFA YouTuber. So he's very big. cool, very cool. So like, I love that he's like a creative, someone I probably wouldn't normally like talk to if I didn't know through other friends, right? Yeah. Um, but like, amazing on what he does and is, has a like, huge following and a huge platform. But again, like. Maybe I'm not interested in FIFA and gaming, but someone else in the community is like, oh, I could learn from you. Can you teach me about YouTube? How do I build a platform? How do I get 500,000 followers like you? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. You have so much to offer, right? Um, and we have a few designers working with us, 3D artists working with us. We just hired a Web3 developer. So things are going. Um, uh, quick question. Web3 developers, like what, what do they need to know? What types of languages? Great question i don't know entirely they have just been working in the web3 space we did an interview with them last night um so they've worked with other projects i actually don't know what languages they know that was more so just like yeah. for personal interest yeah I've, I've been in the space like i've worked yeah. with all kinds of different developers and solidity developers specifically are really tough to find yeah so if if you found somebody that knows that like hold on to them yeah exactly so they're actually from new zealand which is very random um so again very hard to find yeah even like blockchain developers hard to find yeah it's very niche and not a lot of people know how to do it um so if anyone out here yeah you know, is doing computer science you want to call me we need a front-end developer too to do our website um those are easier to find yeah but just upwork to or top yeah. tell but yeah like then you you're like okay so i want to build this platform i want to build this network now i have to go reach out to the businesses and create those relationships and find creators who either want to be in the nft space want to learn about the nft space or already do so where's mm-hmm. that sweet spot of people right 
I think you find people that have the skill set and then you sell the project to them. Yeah. You bring them on board. But there's so much potential here. I've said that like seven times. But yeah. I'm like truly amazed. Like it's not just JPEGs that you right click no. and save. Like it is so much, so much more than that. Yeah. And I feel like we went deep into different use cases. We yeah. talked about like what the future of this looks like. Um, the future of fashion in this space right. is something that I don't think we chatted about mm-hmm. um, as much. But it's fascinating to know like what's possible out there for creators yeah so just a whole lot of development the cool thing that i've seen i've talked about this a little bit i've seen companies that issue mortgages as nfts that blew my mind when i saw that yeah and they're issuing debt against like nfts that you own too that's a whole other that's so smart yeah very smart but the only thing with that is like as an actuary how do you or not as an actuary but how do you underwrite something Mm -hmm. like that because the value of it changes so much. Yeah. So it becomes very difficult to pinpoint because it's all supply and demand, yeah. right? Whereas with real estate, you have like the market is valued at a certain amount. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really interesting. That's why I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah, no, it, it's do. still it's still like for me yeah. too. Interesting. Yeah. So another project I worked on, like I mentioned, I've been at IBM for a while and we've done some blockchain stuff. Um, but it's interesting to see like governments and like public sector start getting to the space, not necessarily NFTs, or maybe they don't understand what that is yet, but starting to talk about digital identification on blockchains. Um, how do we issue maybe even like passports or driver's license, health cards? How can we do that digitally? So um, I've seen other places do like vaccine passports. So we've had this huge like revolution in vaccine passports and standardizing smart health cards across the world because of Mm -hmm. covid and um of course covid has been a really difficult time and um but i think we've really made some technological breakthroughs of what we can do with the space and if we can all come together and start standardizing things and if we can have things like a smart health card on on a blockchain what does that mean for a global scale what does that mean like i said for anything else digital identity wise um people are definitely going to be concerned about having their health data on being publicly available so with yeah. that's where web3 comes in and making sure that you know your your private health information yeah. doesn't become publicized on a right. ledger for everyone to see exactly 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 and how is that shared just between you and whatever institution you're working exactly with, right? so if they, you're in a different country you need to go to a hospital just they are able to see it yeah and so that's where like qr codes become really interesting of who's able to scan that and access that data um and like private blockchains and whatnot so qr codes had the biggest glow up i know i was gonna say qr codes were known as like a disease and like the tech world and now it's like qr codes are everywhere you need that yeah they actually had purpose and which is like funny they really did have a glow up yeah um i put a qr code on on our packaging for one of my e-commerce brands like a year before COVID hit and i was like this is i had to teach people how to use it like put in a note that's scan me and like explain whereas now like everyone's second nature you know yeah Yeah. yeah. they know how to use it they know how to figure it out um and it's interesting what information so like again for like a smart health card for example the qr code um can only be read by specific issuers who can scan the qr code so that's how like your data could be protected and mm. for example, like if we're able to break out um, different types of ID based on whatever QR code information you want to share. So whether that's like a QR code for my driver's license versus health card, like an example we said is like, if I'm going to a bar, why am I showing someone my driver's license? You have access to my name, my address. All you really need to know is my age and right. a picture of me to validate that it's me. Um, we can do that with a QR code without someone else actually reading the rest of your information, right? So we have to understand what the purpose of what people what information people need to see um and like the purpose of that in order to like make that whole breakthrough into just having everything in an apple wallet for example instead of carrying around cards and if you lose your card what happens and stuff still like that. makes me uneasy right like if your phone dies what happens what do you then? do right right yeah it's so like back in you know back in the summer when i was going out like to eat um, and you need to show your vaccine passport. Yeah. Everything's on your phone. Your phone dies. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, you can't do anything. Yeah. So that'll be interesting too because I thought about that recently. I'm like, if I had a passport on my phone and my phone's dead. You're not traveling that yeah, day. You, you know, you, you got to find go a charger. You got to go find a charger. You better find a charger. Um, I mean, I feel like most people are pretty good about leaving the house with a full battery in their phone. But I mean, shit happens. So yeah, no, definitely not me. I forget to charge my phone all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so like need to charge it at night otherwise if i wake up and i'm like oh my phone's out of my shit 
Yeah, I just don't like to have it in my room. I'm really big on like pro- getting proper sleep because yeah. I haven't been getting great sleeps recently. Yeah. Um. So I tried to sleep in like a completely pitch black room and like I don't know I keep my yeah. phone in a different space. Yeah, that's smart though. I need to do that. Yeah, but it's problematic like when I need to wake up because I have to get Alex to set an alarm on his phone and then he always snoozes. Yeah. And then I'll get mad at him for snoozing my alarm and. Yeah. So it's not a great way to start your day. No, it's not. Waking up late, sleeping in. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fun. So governments are going to be yeah. using smart contracts as yes. ways to validate information. Yeah. Um, what other kind of applications are there and like what other things have you seen in the space? Um, I think like we said, like mortgages, real estate licenses will be interesting. Um, who was I talking to? I think this is a, a thing, maybe in other countries where people are having difficulty authenticating their real estate of who owns what piece of land mm. and how especially like- in albania and like eastern european countries yeah. it's a huge problem because post post-communism yeah um ownership went back to like who originally owned that land yeah. years ago so so really- now you have to like figure that out who was the original owner yeah um, my friend in nigeria he was like we have this problem all the time in nigeria like people fight or like if you're not on the land or if you're not present people will just build over it and then it's gone and it's not yours um, and they have a hard time tracking all that documentation and data. So I was like, that could be a very interesting use case of like real estate ownership, licenses there. Mm-hmm. Literally anything you carry in your wallet could totally just be a, a smart um, contract. A smart contract, yeah. yeah. What's fascinating to me is with home ownership, like I can totally see multiple parties, like friends, family members coming together to own real estate. And like yeah. you can do that through a corporation. Yeah. But there are so many extra levels of complexity right now. Yeah. Whereas like if you just wanted to buy a house with a friend, like yeah. imagine being able to do that through an NFT. Yeah. Just go in. Yeah. Together. I actually I don't know if NFT is gonna be the final word for this. Like I know no. NFTs are just non fungible tokens, which means yeah. it's unique ownership, but I'm I'm curious to see like how the term is gonna evolve and maybe for different industries we just call it a smart contract yeah and it's you know standard way of yeah information like um i think about the printing press and i talked about this a little bit in my last mm-hmm. episode about how that completely changed the world yeah and made books be able to be reproduced like for for the masses yeah and it educated people caused the enlightenment period and the same thing i think is going to happen with nfts yeah impacting something yeah yeah I can, like, I can feel it. You can feel it. You can yeah. feel it. And, like, once you have that, like, it just takes that, like, one aha moment. You're like, oh, my God, this has so much value. Yeah. And, like, I had that one moment. I'm like, wait, there's so many things that we can do with this. This is so valuable. Um, And, yeah, maybe I feel like in our industry, at least in government, public sector, and IBM, like, most people call them small, smart contracts. Um, Essentially, they're kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, it is. It's just yeah. unique ownership. Yeah. And, um, like... I think maybe that's more of a digestible term than NFT or like non-fungible token. Even it's though, fungible, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's like an economic term too. Yeah. So if you're not an economist, you're like, what? That sounds like just a weird made up word that someone yeah. just threw out there and it stuck. But um, Did you study economics in school? No, I studied global business and digital arts, which is very random. Interesting. Digital yeah. arts. Digital arts. So I'm like in this space. I've been in a weird um, career path, I guess, because I learned a little bit of like design user experience design business like i took economics and accounting and all that but also like computer science and very cool like arts classes so it was like a very random degree but it seems to be paying off quite a bit now. that is probably the best degree yeah for like what you're doing now because yeah. i'm thinking like i went to school for business for like marketing and strategy yeah and you know i i wish i learned how to code my brother now is in queens like yeah. he's in software i wish i had that skill set because there are so many things that you can do yeah. once you actually understand how to build things like yeah my skill set now lies in finding the right people who can build whatever vision yeah. i have but i wish i could actually like yeah. sit down and just you know if i wanted to mint an nft for example like understand the coding behind it right. i can't necessarily right. do that i have right. to find someone to help me exactly um i've fully given up on that dream i thought i wanted to get into computer science at one point in university but then i'm like this shit is hard yeah <laughs> and i could not wrap my head around it it's like x is greater than signs less than signs equals signs and ors and it's just like this is i can't know this is, makes no sense so i mean that's one superpower i don't have i can understand like html and css and like make like a website a very 
basic website. Very primitive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But now with, like, like, with Shopify and yeah, Wix, like, you, you don't, don't even need, need to. to. Yeah. Like, Square, you can make something pretty decent. Like, yeah. Squarespace, you can make something pretty decent yourself without knowing any coding knowledge. Um, so if you want to customize things, sure. But yeah. for the most part, I feel like. I've had so many, so many examples of like me trying to change our Shopify code, completely breaking the website and freaking out because yeah, like nothing is working. I just broke it. Yeah. There's this one quote. It's like, um, my code is working. I don't know why my code isn't working. I don't know why. That's and it's so like, funny. that's just how I felt the entire computer science class. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but it's like, that's maybe just not my superpower and strength, but there's people who can supplement those skills whenever you need them. Yeah, that's the yeah. beauty of, of, you know, being in this kind of economy. Yeah. When you need somebody who has a certain skill set, you can connect with them through different marketplaces, yeah. right? And just the power of the internet's incredible. Yeah, the power of the internet. You can meet, I met you yeah. through the internet. Everyone I've met lately, too, is like through the internet. I'm like, you know what? Like your parents tell you, like, don't meet strangers off the internet or don't talk that to hasn't people. been a bad experience. I've, I've you know? had a bad experience, yeah. So I'm like, no, nah, I don't know. Maybe I'm like rolling the dice. But Just I'm don't like, meet strange men and you're good. Yeah, you know? just don't meet strange <laughs> men and you're probably good. Um, I mean, it's been great so far. I mean, I've met so many cool people. Even off TikTok, too. Just like, yeah. people who reach out or people in the city I've met. I'm like, just incredible, amazing people. So talented and like. I made so many friends through this. Yeah. So I find with TikTok, like if you're putting yourself out there for masses to see, you're already like you've gone through like some healing internally. You're like, I just don't care. Like I'm going to yeah. do it. And you know who you are and you're confident in like what y- you know you have to offer to the world. So a lot of the creators that I've connected with have also like been people that just go out there and do their thing and aren't yeah. afraid to to be themselves. Yeah. And I love connecting with people like yeah. that. So it's been that, awesome. It's still scary sometimes, but like you really cannot give a fuck. Like, like yeah the things you see or the comments you read but it's like these again you have to remember at the end of the day it's like this is the internet these people are they don't know me you don't know me personally you would never ever come up to me and say anything like that um and sometimes like the things that i read like like how what in the right mind like made you decide to comment this yeah right but then you realize it's just a person like projecting their own insecurities and their feelings onto you it's like so much of just like projection and everything else of like people don't yeah it's just like it's all projection yeah i feel like we talked about a lot so we we can probably end here yeah um because there was a ton that we got into i feel like a lot of value for people that want to learn more about the space want to learn how to get into the space we talked about use cases and probably every use case possible i mean there's so many more to come that we could talk about yeah but maybe we'll do a part two in a couple yeah yeah once you become an NFT billionaire. Once I'm an NFT billionaire, you'll hear back from me. Yeah. So it'll be great. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, guys, this was an awesome Thank episode. You. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in every Wednesday. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Amazing. Cheers. Bye.